Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Wow, folks. Hey, we're trying something new here this time. We are going to, we have got, we're trying a new platform. We're going to try out a couple different things. We're going to do audio video at the same time. The one great thing about this is we can incorporate the music right into it. It will automatically produce it for us. And so we'd be able to do more of these things, get them out faster. So, hey, and plus we're on video. You can actually see Murph where the traitorous bastard has, we're just going to call him TB for short, like tuberculosis. <laughs> traitorous bastard. Man, i tell you what, I love our music. I just, that gets me fired up when I hear that music. I, you, Game, of Crimes, good Game of Thrones, it's all good stuff. Yeah. And hey, yeah, we, baby. Well, we're going to get fired up over this one, too, because uh, folks thought we were controversial last time. Oh, <laughs> this is a topic that will cause fistfights in the parking lot. Well, yeah, and just hang on for a second, because I'm going to bring up. So, look, hey, folks, first of all, before we get started, thank you, everybody. Thank you to all of our Patreons. Thank you, all of our players. We want to thank you guys because you're seeing this. It's because you are part of the team that is supporting us. This is our random surprise for the month of November, Kyrie Domine, Donaeus Requiem. So this is this is the good stuff that's coming out. And one of the good things that's coming out is um, we are taking on some tough topics. So last month we talked about uh, the shit show that is Loudoun County, which is the reason Murph left. We talked about some of the stuff that was happening. Now, I will tell you through some back channel stuff, we caught some shit for people because they maybe there was some sensitivity around the topic we were talking about. Steve, did you see the link? We're going to do a quick follow-up, and then we're going to get into our random surprise for this month. Did you see the link I sent you uh, on text about the Washington Examiner article? I did. Well, so, folks. <laughs> now, you're supposed to ask me if I read it. No, I didn't. <laughs> did? Well, that's okay, because I'm going to give you. So just imagine that you have a uh, young girl who is has two heinous crimes committed against her, forcible sodomy, forcible fellatio, the suspect in it is convicted, goes to trial, evidence presented, now is a convicted sexual offender. How would you guys feel if uh, somebody in the community just said, hey, look, it was an accident. She wasn't a real victim. A real victim wouldn't sit there and take it. W what would you guys say to that? Oh, you know, I did read that article and it made me sick. That is what the mother of the suspect, the convicted child rapist, she would, and actually this is, um, this is, comes from the mother, folks. This is not from us. This is from the mother. And there's another interesting thing she says in this, because she says um, the, the son tells her he depicted the rape as an accident, telling his mother he didn't mean to insert himself into her anus and was surprised when it caused her pain. He said he was intending for vaginal and it ended up for 10 seconds as anal. So what did the mom say? If I was in a position where I was about to be raped, I would be kicking, screaming, everything. You're 15. You can reasonably defend yourself. You're not just going to sit there and take it. And so, because there wasn't the presence of a fight, he felt it was okay to keep going. Apparently, no doesn't mean no. Apparently, it's okay. Now, 
we talked about the issue and don't get into it, Murph, because you caused us a shit show last time. You just take a breath. Let me read this and don't go off the don't go off the rails here. Okay, I can edit no it out. Don't worry. <laughs> the mother's defense of the boy who she maintains is not transgender or gender fluid, as he was previously identified in the press, is instructive, not just as a closing salvo to a culture war, but also as a masterclass in rape apologia. So this proves my point. And the question I ask, just from an investigative standpoint, one of the things investigators have to look at is, does he truly, does he truly and sincerely identify as transgender or as gender fluid, or was it simply a ruse to make teachers and other people uncomfortable about asking him about that so he could have this meeting in the bathroom? And by the mother's own words, she says, and I'm going to repeat this, the mother's defense of the boy, she maintains he is not transgender or gender fluid. So this, this kid, what this kid did was he used culture. This guy actually has done serious harm to the people who truly identify that way, the people who truly have an issue with that, that are that are trying to figure things out, you know, and they identify as either gender fluid or transgender. Those who are sincere about it, this kid has just made a whole mockery of it because he's used that in order to commit these crimes. I'm being quiet. I'm being good. That's a first. Anyway. I don't want to get fussed at it again. Yeah, well, no, look. Hey, look. But what we want to do is tell you we're onto something. We're we're trained criminal investigators for a reason. When we see when we see and we hear something, we start putting this all together. Something about this didn't seem right. And that's that was why I asked the sincere question. Is it truly this way? Or was it a ruse designed to make other people feel uncomfortable so that he could go commit these acts? Which is typical of any criminal. They take advantage of any situation that gives them a little bit of leverage, a little bit of an edge. Mm-hmm to get in and, and commit the dastardly deeds that they do. And I'll stop at that. That's good because we need to move on to something that's going to be just as fun too. So, Oh, this is uh, this is something that uh, uh, Javier and I avoid this topic on stage because it usually is not a discussion. It's an argument. Not that he and I are arguing. We agree on it 100%. But uh, what we're going to talk about today, I probably have a few opinions that uh, I'm not even sure Morgan knows a couple of these that uh, you might find a little surprising considering my background. Well, let's expose those. So what we're going to talk about today, this all started, and if you folks are watching on video, and notice I say if you're watching on video, this came out of a People Magazine article uh, back in October. This is just recent, and it's about a mother who talks about her son, Johnny Stack, committing suicide when he was 19 years old because of his long-term addiction to marijuana, and not just marijuana, we're talking about high-content THC. Let, let me read just the premise to this, and, and then let's get into this, Steve, because you and I want to talk about this. It's not the issue so much of the legalization of marijuana. That's a peripheral issue. It's around what have we really sat down as a society and said, when you legalize something, and now we have children, and I do mean children, accessing this, what's the impact to them? It was late at night on November 20th, 2019, when Johnny Stack drove from his family's condo in Lone Tree, Colorado, to a parking garage where he used to skateboard as a kid. For the next 40 minutes, the 19-year-old college student sat in his gray Prius atop the sixth-floor structure, gazing out over the city's rooftops, then got out, walked over to the ledge, and jumped to his death. There was a video camera in the garage, says his mother, Laura Stack, fighting back tears, but I can't watch it. They said he stood there with his arms spread out, like he thought he could fly off the building. And this is in Colorado. And what does Colorado have the distinction of? In 2012, they were the first state. To legalize marijuana. To legalize marijuana. So we have 
So again, everybody wants to talk about the science, the facts, whether you're talking about uh, COVID-19, you know, uh, cl- the climate, anything. So let us, let us do some factual, let's, let's just do some factual investigation and start pulling some stuff up. But here is something though. It was also part of an alarming trend in Colorado in which 2012 became the first state to legalize it. Um, on, only adults over 21 or those with a marijuana medical card are legally allowed to partake. But um, these marijuana products, some of them containing up to 90% THC. And Steve, I know w- when you and I talked and, and we talked, pe- you know, you th- people go, well, weed's not harmful. If you're thinking of the weed back from the 80s and the 90s when the THC content was 2, 4, maybe 6%, that's the difference between saying we drank Coors beer, which was, you know, below 3.2%. It was, you know, 1% alcohol. And all of a sudden somebody gives you a bottle of, uh, you grain, know, grain alcohol, grain alcohol. And that shit is 180 proof. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's amazing. Now I had not heard that the THC content was high as, as high as 90%, but whew, I had heard, and here's the difference. So you're growing weed out in the, in the, in the mountains, wherever, you know, illegally, and that's why the THC content is low because you don't have the proper sunlight, water, fertilizer, whatever it might be. Whereas now with legally produced marijuana, you know, it's being legalized everywhere. It's grown under very controlled conditions, which is popping that THC content up. Well, here, here, Steve, the are legally allowed. A recent study found that the number of teens using high potency concentrates, marijuana products containing up to 90% THC, the chemical that gives pot its eye, tetrahydrocannabinol, more than doubled from 20.3% to 52% between 2017 and 2019. And in the last five years, THC has been the number one drug found in toxicology reports of teen suicide victims in Colorado. Jeez, jeez. Now, you know what, if that's not an eye-opener, holy cow, what does it take to get people's attention? Well, here's a couple other facts that'll get your attention, right? So let's, let's talk about adults and stuff. And so correlation does not mean causation. So we've got to be very careful about that. But a lot of people, many states, including Colorado, and I'm pulling an article out of MedPage today. This is written by uh, somebody who uh, works in psychiatry, is a medical doctor in psychiatry. Many states, including Colorado, have made PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, an approved condition for medical marijuana. As a psychiatrist, having treated many people with PTSD, I know that marijuana is not the answer similarly to why benzodiazepines or alcohol are not the answer. Surely, you know, these work, you know, in terms of numbing the person. Here's what, here's Steve, here's interesting. They did a review of the data. A study of 3,233 veterans in a cross-sectional multi-site study done by the VA, and they've de- described this as cannabis use disorder. In other words, you get to a certain point to where you exhibit certain things like continuous hunger, fatigue, you know, and, and basically you're, um, uh, you know, you're addicted to it was significantly associated with both, let me read that, a study of 3,233 veterans in a cross-sectional study by the VA found that cannabis use disorder was significantly associated with both current suicidal ideation and lifetime suicide attempts compared to veterans with no lifetime history of CUD. This significance persisted even after adjusting for sex, PTSD, et cetera, uh, and and combat exposure. Now, an observational study of 2,276 veterans treated in the VA PTSD treatment programs around the country, get this, Steve, found that those who had never used marijuana had significantly lower symptom severity four months after treatment. Those who stopped using marijuana had even lower levels of PTSD symptoms, and those who started using marijuana had the highest level of violent behavior and PTSD symptoms 
four months after treatment. It didn't make it better. It made it worse. Right. Right. It's, it's uh, you know, and it, it, these, these studies have been a long time coming. My, my oldest son is a, uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon in Atlanta. And I ask him to regularly just keep a check on any bona fide medical research that shows marijuana has a legitimate legal medical purpose. Which would be a schedule, which would be a schedule two drug. Right. Because schedule one has, you know, it's, it's found it has no benefit to anybody. And he has yet to come up with a uh, profound <laughs> study that shows there is a medicinal benefit. Um, now, I was going to save this till later, but I, I just want to go ahead and put this out here. You know, you got to understand that DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, doesn't make the laws. You know that, Morgan. We're the enforcers of the laws. The legislators are the ones that make the laws. So everybody wants to bitch and complain at DEA because marijuana is still illegal in certain places, and DEA has chosen not to favor those states where it is being legalized. Um, <clears throat> it's not DEA making those rules, you know? You, you want to fuss at somebody, go to the Food and Drug Administration. Well, actually, the Steve, if you want to fuss somebody, go to the Attorney General, the person who has control over all of DOJ, because they will set policy from the top that says we will or we won't, and agencies line up and they will follow. So if the AG says, no, we're cracking down, here's what we're doing, people are going to get in line and follow suit, right? Right. And and now in doing research for today's little discussion here, you know, I'm I'm looking at different things going on around the world where they've tried legalizing legalizing different drugs and, you know, finding out what's really going on in those locations. You can find as many articles in favor of it as you can that are not in favor of it. It just depends on who's writing them. So you have to do a little bit more research to find out, well, who's the author of this and what's their background? So, you know, if they have to be working with an organization that's in favor of legalization or decriminalization, you know which way it's going to go. I'm, I'm okay whatever the government decides to legalize as long as it's done through the proper channels. You know, as cops, our job is simply to enforce the law. We don't make the law. We don't exactly. write the law. Yeah. Well, hell, we don't get a say-so in it. You know, the law comes out from the legislature. Very rarely, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, please quit, stop pointing the finger at the law enforcement guys because they're doing their jobs. I mean, hell, they're, they're public servants and you're paying them to do their job. When you got a bitch, go to the people that make the laws. Go to the legislators. I doubt they'll return your phone calls and they'll probably tear up your letters. But, you know, that's the way our system is right now. Um, another thing, Morgan, to point out is <clears throat> there have been some medical studies done that show that a teenager or young people's Brains. Minds yep. are not are continuing to develop, continuing to develop until they reach about the age of 25. And there have been studies that show that uh, repeated smoking of marijuana does retard that development. And it lowers the IQ by eight points. I saw some of that same research, which is not recoverable. You lose that, you never get that back. You know, and for people like me, eight points is a hell of a lot when it comes to your <laughs> you IQ. You go from 68 to 60, man. That's a huge That's a, that's huge a big drop. deal. <laughs> Hey, players, it's Morgan for Murph and Morgan here at Game of Crimes. Now, Murph is off in Florida having fun, so guess what? He leaves me to do this. There's another 45 minutes left to hear of this. If you want to hear it, we got it right over here at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. We've got another 30 to 40 additional posts covering everything, including 
the cover-up by the Loudoun County Public Schools of crimes committed in a high school bathroom, and then the suspect went on to commit another crime in another high school. We have our investigative analysis of the Gabby Petito case. You know, we avoid all the media hype. We talk about how to investigate cases like this and the manhunt involved. And then with Murph and JP, we talk about the real DEA narcos talking about, guess what? The real DEA narcos. This is why Netflix made this such a huge series. This 12-part series we do, we dive deep into the story behind the manhunt for and the killing of Pablo Escobar. Things that you've never heard of before and only details you will only hear right here on Patreon. We also live stream once a month our patented narcometer review of famous movies like Beverly Hills Cops, Training Day, The Departed. And for November, guess what? It is a crime-related movie. And because November is darker because of the change in time, the Coen brothers seem like a perfect fit. So we are reviewing The Big Lebowski for November. And then coming up for December, the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Yes, I'm talking about Die Hard. There will be no voting on this. We are just reviewing it because it is the greatest Christmas movie ever made. And then we talk about our case of the month. Murph and I walk you through some of our cases like homicide, major drug cases. In fact, in November, we just talked about Murph's first undercover role doing a 500 kilo cocaine deal in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Man, what tough duty. Also, for Case of the Month, Murph and I walk you through some of our cases like homicides and major drug traffickers. In fact, for November, we just talked about Murph's first undercover role doing a 500-kilo cocaine deal in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Man, you want to talk about tough duty. Now, one of my cases next month is about a drug deal gone bad. A victim was run over eight times with his own car and left for dead by gang members. So this, we'll get into this and about how you investigate cases like this and what it takes to do this. We also have our Q&A. So in November, we covered a lot of things. Nothing is off limit, folks. We take questions from all of our players. So we got asked, will there ever be some form of legalization for other types of drugs? So that's why this random surprise episode covers what we think about it and some of the impacts of this, some of the policies and procedures in officer-involved shooting. For example, why do you never leave an officer unarmed and always replace their weapon? Great questions like that. What I was doing in Pakistan and why China doesn't like me. You know, besides Murph not liking me, apparently that's because he moved to Florida. I get into a little bit of detail maybe about some of my past and the history of it. So, and then... Speaking of Murph, why the hell did he move to Florida and leave me alone in Loudoun County, Virginia? All of this and much more. Things that we don't cover in our free episodes. So click on the link in the episode notes below and head on over and join us or go to patreon.com slash game of crimes. Take a look at all the fantastic content and see which level you want to be a player at in the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the game of crimes. 